such thing. Well, you didn't see the week I had after I got up in the pulpit and said there are demons out there. Because, like, I about lost my mind one night, like, getting all upset about something. I'm just like, and people say demons don't exist. Yes, they do. And they are working on me this week. But guess what? I'm back up here again, and I did not change my message. I was like, I need to just come in on a Sunday and just be like, we're just going to read about how Jesus loves us. That's all we're going to do right now. I am not backing down. It's kind of like, you know, we've been using the Star Wars analogy and how when, you know, they called them the rebels that were going against the evil empire, right? And how they would, like, you know, bomb certain areas to get you to give in. You know, our modern-day equivalent, we think about the Ukraine and Russia, how they, Russia wanted to come through and take over the entire place and not just the Crimea, the, the small little peninsula where they have their port with the ships. And so they thought, well, if we, hey, if we bomb for a while, right, they'll give in. They kept thinking, like, well, if we just do these little things, they'll give in. And what they found is that they're not giving in. And that's kind of like us. Satan will try to, like, bomb you out. Like, okay, well, you, you know my tactic here, so if I just bomb you out, right, for a while, if I just attack you in these different ways, then you'll just give in. And it's like, no. We're not going to just give in. We know the truth. Now, it's easy to ignore it, and that's what we talked about last week, didn't we? We talked about how, for some people, it's like, well, I believe in God and I believe in angels, but I don't believe in demons and Satan. What do you mean you don't believe in them? Well, if I don't acknowledge them, that they make me afraid, then I, don't, I can just ignore it. That's like ignoring the mice in your basement. You see the mice droppings, right? You see it. You know that you can see the damage. All of a sudden, the lights go out in your living room, and you go down into your basement, and you discover they've been chewing on your wires. And you got to deal with the ramifications of them, but you don't want to deal with the mice, so you never put out any mice poison. Mouse poison, right? Or you don't put any traps. Well, if I... Oh, I've got a friend that loves mice. I just saw the look on her face, right? I may or may not have had a friend that had a mouse one time, and it's like, can you come over and deal with the mouse? Like, no! You can do it. You're bigger than that mouse, right? Right. So you like put the poison out, and then they and they eat it, and they die, and then they just lay there, and you got to do something with it. Well, guess what? It, sometimes, you know, what we'll do is we'll say, okay, well, I'm going to poison it, and it's going to be there, but I don't want to make it leave. I call that binding it. You can bind a demon, but you don't want to tell it to leave. So now you got this dead mouse in your basement. Guess what dead mice do? They decompose and they stink, don't they? They, they begin to smell. I remember one time having this horrible smell in my car. I'm like, what is that? Now, I've had a few mice in the car. That's because I let the kids eat food. Why? Let's be honest. I eat food in the car. And the mice get in, right, because we're out in the fields, and the car's warm, and they got heat. And the one time, it's like, oh, I got a mouse in here. What am I going to do? I could tell because it had eaten some stuff I had left out. And I cleaned it up and didn't really want to deal with it. And so I'm driving down the car one day, and a mouse runs across my foot. Now, you should all be thankful that I have a somewhat composed person when I'm in stress because I did not, like, run off the road. I just kept driving. And I'm just like, he went under the seat. He's not going to come across my foot again. (laughs) 
it'll be okay. I got the kids in the back. I didn't scream. I just kept driving, but it was definitely a mouse that went across my foot. So the first time I told my husband, I said, go get one of those little live mouse traps. We don't want to hurt the poor thing. We don't want to hurt him. And he's like, okay. So he did. He went and got a little live one, put a little peanut butter in there. And sure enough, before he left for work the next day, he found it. Of course, he comes in holding the thing shut. You know, what do you want me to do with it? Now, you know, and I'm like, oh, go, go put him out in the fields. He'll be okay out there. Yeah, because a mouse does not remember how he got into a smorgasbord warm car inside of a garage where the ladies got, like, chocolate and candy and French fries laying all over the place. Like, no, he's going to be like, oh, you saved me a life. I will never bother you again. But that's how demons are, aren't they? Demons are like, I know how to push her buttons. I know how to make her, you know, lose her salvation for the night. I know how to make him go look at whatever or follow into this addiction. And so that, guess what that mouse did? He was back in my car before he got home from work that night. I go in there and I'm like, I thought you said you got rid of the thing. What What do you mean? I found more fresh droppings in my car today. So guess what I had to do? I had to go buy a snap to kill that thing. The mouse died. He was dead. You don't want to know what I do when I find a mouse nest in the spring when I'm cleaning them out. I'm always trying to think of, like, what's a quick, easy death? This is, I'm probably going to get a if people call me. Guess what? I threw a whole nest one time into the ditch and let them drown. I thought, because I heard, isn't drowning pretty quick? And I don't know. They're tiny. I mean, they were like little tiny. All they're going to do is grow up and eat the poison we have in there now. I mean, so anyway. No, mice are not allowed in my house. Mice will eat the wires in your car. They will eat, you know, they'll make a mess. So we got rid of, we got rid of the mice. But seriously, how many times do we allow the demonic mice to eat the wires in our life and to put droppings all over and to push those buttons and eat up our blessings. Let's be real, right? I'm not going to eat necessarily the fries in the bottom of my car, but if anybody's going to eat them, it's going to be my puppy dogs and not the mice. Those, those blessings in our lives sometimes get eaten up by, by, by the enemy. So we looked last week. If you missed last week, then you really missed the foundation of today's message. But for time's sake, I'm not going to go back and reteach it. So uh, you can find it on Facebook. It'll eventually be uploaded onto YouTube. And it's, it's a public video, so you should be able to see it even if you don't have an account. But let us know if you have a problem finding that. But we read in the passage where it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and spirits in high places. We, we, can, we can say that the only thing that is here, Mary, is what we can see. Well, you cannot see the wind, but the wind blows and destroys things here on this natural earth. And there is spiritual forces that are happening. And like I said last time we were here, you know, you, you can't tell me that in your lifetime you've never walked down a dark alley or entered somebody's home and not felt something was off, not felt something was different, not felt what was happening around you in the spirit realm. 
just like when you walk into places like this and sometimes you can feel peace. I remember we had some visitors from Florida come up to do a class and they walked into this place and they said, all we feel is joy and love. And I said, well, that's good because I've been praying over this place for the last few years. And, you know, we are inviting God's presence into this place. And just like you can invite his presence into your homes. So we talked about the fact that there is a spiritual world and that Jesus gave us authority in the name of Jesus to tell the demonic to leave. And And we see in many different places, and I'll read a few of the scriptures here, where he gave that authority to his followers. And it's simple. You just use the name of Jesus. They've been defeated, Satan has been defeated, and all we need to do is use the name of Jesus and they have to bow. And they know it's that simple. That's why they try to convince us it's complicated. It's really kind of crazy. Sometimes I'll talk to Christians that really want to overcomplicate the gospel. They're like, well, let's look at this one verse way over here and let's pull it out of context and say, let's base a whole way of doing things on this one thing. And I'm like, let's just read the gospels over and over again and let's just live the way Jesus told us to live. He told us to love. He told us if we believe in him, we are saved. He told us to tell demons to go to hell in the name of Jesus. Like, it's really that simple. Like, he did it over and over and over again. It wasn't like he did it one time and we think now we can do it. He did it over and over and over again. So the question today isn't, do I have authority in the name of Jesus? Yes, you do. We established that that last week when we looked at the scripture. The question I have for you is, what do we have authority over? See, that's the big thing. Do I have authority over the mice in my house, or do I have authority over the mice in my neighbor's house? Do you think that my neighbor would appreciate it who has got a little dog if I went over there and started throwing mice poisoning all over his yard? And every time his dog came outside, he went over and gobbled it all up. He probably wouldn't like that. (laughs) So, but I can put... I can put the mouse poison, and I have dogs, so I put them in those little safe, animal-safe boxes so the dogs can't get to them, but in my, in my garage. So this becomes, like, the big issue is, like, who do we have authority over, and, you know, who do we talk to? Whenever I've taught this in the past, I usually always remind people that when you read through the Gospels that people would always go to Jesus for their children, And there's not one instance where a parent went to Jesus about their children, he didn't heal them or cast out the demon. So we have spiritual authority over our family situations. We have see people that came to him for themselves, right? So they would have spiritual authority over themselves. We see as we read through the New Testament and the letters as they were established in the new church that the pastors, the shepherds, the leaders of the church, they they would be told, like, you have the spiritual authority, and you'll be held accountable. That's why I said many of you should not be teachers. You'll be held accountable on the day of judgment for those that were under you, that you were teaching and you were talking to. So oftentimes I tell people, you know, what is, like, the earthly benefit to becoming a member? I mean, some of that's pretty clear. Like, if you're at the hospital, you know, during, like, COVID, some of the times I could do a little bit more for people that I said were registered members of the church, the IRS, uh, asks that we have a list of who our members are so that way we can keep our, you know, 5013C status because you can't just say you're a church and have an organization but you don't have any members of a church. So there's like practical ways, but there's also spiritual authority. 
you're saying that I'm a member of this church and that Pastor Mary and these elders are going to pray for me as a member of this church. And so when I get down on my knees and I'm praying that if there's anything demonic coming against you that it is bound in the name of Jesus, you're giving me permission to pray that over you. You're giving me permission to pray when you're sick because you've committed and you've said, I'm a member of this organization and I want the leadership to be able to pray. So there's that spiritual connection. Then there's also the souls, the relationships, the being a part of things. There's, there's messages we send out just to the people that are registered as our members that we don't send out to the general uh, phone list. 900 people that we have registered in Bay City and all of their families, but we're going to send it out to our 150 members into their families. So there's lots of different blessings to that. And so we see that people have authority over themselves, their homes, their children, their families. We see that, you know, pastors and leaders have authority praying over their congregation. And so these are a lot of different things that are pretty obvious that we've read enough of the scriptures that we can see that. But what I want to point out are a few instances where Jesus, and in one instance, I believe it was either Peter or Paul, I think it might have been Paul, where it was a demon because it was affecting them, okay? So let's start here in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 33. Now this was Jesus. He had went down to Capernaum in a town of Galilee. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words are these? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding areas. Now, it's interesting. When Jesus would tell a demon to come out, he didn't have to say, come out in the name of Jesus. Because he was Jesus. He would just simply say, come out. (laughs) But now we see where he gave them the um, instructions. And... We see this here in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. He's not going to have the scripture for this one because I didn't uh, send that ahead of time earlier in the week. But when I was going back through it again, I I love this. And I read it last week. But in uh, Luke chapter 10, he had sent out the 72 and had appointed them to go out two by two ahead of them and into every town. And when they returned, it says in verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So how he taught them to go and do that was to use the name of Jesus. Now we see that in the book of Acts in many different places. We mentioned this last week about how the the Jewish uh, exorcists would go out and they began to realize that their methods were not as effective the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the reason why it's recorded is because at one point it worked for like some of the lesser demons 
but one demon was, was really strong and could tell. And he said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And he would not come out because they didn't truly believe in the name that they were using. I find that very interesting because even at that time, there were people that knew the power of the name of Jesus, wanted the benefits of using his name, but didn't want the relationship. Have you ever met people like that? Like, you know, I, I, I've had people that'll be like, oh, I'm a Christian. But then you continue on with that conversation and you find out that they don't really see Jesus as their source. It doesn't, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And that's fine. At least they know who he is. At least they, you know, my hope is that that relationship begins to develop. But you don't have to deny the power of him. You can get to know him and go on that deeper level. It's not like something like only special people get to do. It's something that's open and available for everyone. We see another place where somebody was being bothered by a demon than somebody else. In Acts chapter 16, verse 16, it says, Once when we were going to a place of prayer. Now, who's writing this? Luke. So Luke was with Paul and Silas. It says, we. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Now remember, we talked about this last week, how whatever God gives us, Satan will try to pervert. So some of the gifts that God gives us is the word of knowledge. Now, I've had many different times where I'll be talking or counseling with somebody, and I'll be like, I really feel like this is what's going to happen, or I really feel like this is what's happening and you're unaware. It's like a word of knowledge. And then sure enough, within a week later or a month later, they'll call me up and they'll be like, you were right, how did you know? See, it wasn't me, it was God, that spirit in me, that gave me that word of knowledge for them that was pertinent for that prayer time and that time that we were doing something. That's a gift from God. Now, some people have received these gifts but then they use it to make money. They use it as a fortune teller. And so that's what this, this girl had. She had a gift of knowledge, which again is a blessing from God. But they, she was using it to predict the f- fortunes for people and make money. And the scripture is very clear that that is not what God wants for us to do with us things. He wants us to use it in his name to help people. So here she was. She had this spirit and that she predicted the future. So she knew who Paul and Silas were. She knew what these group of men were different. She could sense it in the spirit that they were different, that they were Christians. It says, she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, you would think that's really good, right? Doesn't that sound really good? I mean... If it happened once and you're new to town and here this person is a fortune teller and people in town, you know, believe that she knows the future and she's following them around saying, hey, these guys are going to tell you how to be saved. That sounds good. But see, that's how Satan is sometimes. He tries to give you something that looks good. Doesn't this look good? Doesn't this look good? Oh, you had a rough day at work. Wearing a glass of beer be good? Make you feel like you can relax, make you sleep better, make you not have any worries. Doesn't that look good? And sometimes, you know, Jesus turned water into wine when he was at a celebration at a wedding. Sometimes it is good, once in a while. But this wasn't a once in a while thing. It says that 
She said, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. All of a sudden, that glass of wine to help you sleep, make you forget about your worries of the day, turns into two glasses, turns into three glasses, turns into every single night, turns into, well, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. And now it's all day. Right? All of a sudden, a blessing from God has turned into an addiction. It has turned into something that's annoying. It has turned into something that begins to take over your life. So this woman was saying something that was true, and it seemed good that she was announcing to everybody. But then Satan won't let up on certain things. And all of a sudden, now Paul has become so annoyed. It says that he turned... And around and said to the spirit, I love that. He didn't say it to the girl. He wasn't talking to the girl. If you come in here and I'm like, I'm going to pray over you, and I start talking about the spirit of suicide, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the spirit that's on you. I remember one time a person had come up, and I, the Lord just, I just kept seeing this black cloud around this whole person, and I just, it was the spirit of suicide. And I thought, Lord, if I say to him, Spirit of suicide, come out. He's going to think, I think he's suicidal. And I don't think anything. I'm just, you know, God's telling me this. And he's like, you need to tell it to go. You need to bind that thing and get it off of him. He's up here. He wants prayer. You need to go tell. I don't want to say, I mean, then be like, you know, me walking up and saying, oh, the spirit of lust or whatever. You know, it's like, I don't want to name it. And he was like, you got to call it out for what it is. You got to go over there and pray for that person. And oh, I prayed for this one. I prayed for, I let him stand there for so long. I prayed for somebody else. I said, let's sing another song. And then I finally, God's like, you go pray for that person. Finally, I went over there. I said, can I say the spirit of death? And he said, yes. And I went over there and I said, that spirit of death that wants you to die, you have to go. And it was just like the whole man like just started shaking and shuddered. And you could just see that black. I mean, you couldn't see it in the physical, but I could see it like in the spiritual. And it left him. And I remember he just began to weep. And afterwards, he told me, thank you. But see, I've grown a lot since then. And sometimes you've got to just call it out for what it is. And if, if, if you come up and you're offended by whatever the Lord puts on my heart, be mad at him. You know, don't be mad at me. Maybe, maybe you don't realize that's what the name of that spirit was, whatever it is. But the reality is, their demons are out there, and they try to put these spirits on you. I've had to, like, tell the spirit of suicide to leave me. I'm not immune. We all have something that is going to try to come on us and try to, you know, invade our thoughts and change the way we do things. And you can't, can't be afraid of it. I can't be afraid and say, well, I have small creatures in my basement that are causing me problems. I'm not sure what. You just need to call. Yeah, I got a mice. I got a mouse down here. Let's get rid of this thing. Don't go for small creature poison. Go ask them, what do you use to kill mice? Right? So Paul, this is what Paul said to her in verse 18. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Now, here's the thing. Like, this kind of 
you know, he didn't have authority over this girl. He wasn't the slave owner. He wasn't her spouse. He wasn't part of her family. But the spirit that was in her was annoying him. And so he used the name of Jesus to tell that spirit to leave her, to give her freedom. Now, whether or not she kept that freedom or whether or not she went back, you know, into a seance and did something to invite that spirit back in her, now that was her choice. But Paul had the authority to use the name of Jesus to tell a demon that was annoying him, that was affecting him, to leave. Now, why? Why? I believe it's because Jesus promised us peace. We see it in Isaiah 53.5, right? For, it talks about the, the four different things that we get because Jesus went to the cross, right? Forgiveness of our transgressions, forgiveness of our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So we're promised really three things, because we're body, soul, and spirit, when Jesus went to the cross. Forgiveness of sins, whether it's the one-time sins or the habit sins, the iniquities. Peace, which is for our soul, and healing, which is for our body. So when Jesus went to the cross, he went to save all three parts of us, body, soul, and spirit. And because we are promised peace, when people are doing things that are annoying us, we are allowed to call Satan out and say, stop. But most of us don't realize we have authority over that. And a lot of times, that person might just invite that back in. What we see is if a person comes and asks for prayer or wants it to go, and I can talk to them, and I, then I cast that spirit out, they do much better than if I just cast it out, they have no knowledge, and then the next day they invite that spirit back in, right? If you're dealing with like a spirit of lust, and you're like, I don't know why I'm struggling with this, and I pray for you and tell the spirit to leave, but I don't give you any instruction, if tomorrow you go back on pornography, you're inviting that spirit right back in. So what I have found, if unless the person has asked me, or it's like they're asking for somebody that I know they have authority over, and I'm just, that's, whatever they're doing is really annoying the situation, or annoying me, or annoying ministry, or annoying somebody else, I'll pray for it to be bound. Because they are going to still carry that until they're ready to acknowledge it and tell it to go themselves and cast it off. But at least if it's bound, it's not like it's going to leave, go get seven more and come back on that person. So we see this scripturally in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. I, I like to read things in context. I hope that's okay with everybody. In verse 13, Jesus was asking them. He, he, he came to the region of Syria, Philippi, Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? He called himself a Son of Man. Who, who do people say I am? They replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. What was the rock, the statement that Jesus is the Messiah? So the fact that Jesus is Messiah, right? Now we can use that name of Jesus. The authority of who Jesus is is the foundation of what we are. As a, We are all, the Christian church, all of us, Catholics, Lutherans, Methodists, all of us that follow Christ in this town, in this world, we are the body of Christ. We are the church. 
and the foundation that we all have that the Jehovah Witnesses don't have, that the Mormons don't have, that the Seventh-day Adventists necessarily don't have, that the Scientologists don't have, is that our foundation is Jesus is Messiah. Jesus was born of the Virgin, and that he died and rose again. He's not a good man. He's not a prophet. He is the Messiah. He is God. And that is our foundation as Christians. People will say, well, this denomination, this denomination, do they believe Jesus is Messiah? They are your brother and sister in Christ. They might worship God differently than you, but they believe Jesus is Christ. That is the foundation of the Christian faith. And it says, blessed are you. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he is the Messiah. Now what's interesting here, he says, I will give you the keys. Now when you read through Matthew at the end there, if you read through John, especially chapters 14, 15, and 16, he's about to go to the cross, he's talking to the disciples, and he says to them, up to this point you would just come to me and talk to me. But I'm going to go, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise from the dead, I'm going to go, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And when you pray now, you use my name. When you pray, you can pray directly to the Father and you use my name. And he would tell them, he's like, now go and make disciples of all nations, casting out demons and healing people. And how did he tell them to do it? By using his name. What is the key for us? The name of Jesus. That's the authority. That is how we bind things and loose things. We use the name of Jesus. What am I going to bind? I'm going to bind anything that is bad. I don't know about you, but the only person in here that I would bind up with a rope is somebody who was trying to hurt me. About five or six of you men would, like, jump on the guy. We'd hold him down. We'd tie up his hands and legs until the police got here, right? We don't bind up the people that are doing good, that are blessing us, that are being kind. You bind up things that are harming you. The temptations, the, the, the demons. Now, what am I going to loose? What am I going to set free? There are angels that are just up there waiting for us to, to send them on assignment. The scriptures are so clear that the angels are ministering spirits for the Christians. The holy angels, not the fallen ones, but the holy angels want to be loosed. How do you loose them? You say, I declare in the name of Jesus, angels, come help me. I remember getting a text message, a frantic text message one time from a friend's phone, and I knew she had surgery scheduled that day. And it was from her husband, and he grabbed her phone, and he said, the doctors just came out, so-and-so's not doing well, you need to pray. And I was driving, I remember this, I was driving on US 10, I was heading to Midland. And I remember I pulled over on the side of the road, and I put my car in park, I put the hazards on, And I said, in the name of Jesus, I declare that 50 angels from heaven to go right now to that that hospital room. And any angels not on assignment within a mile of that hospital room to all go and come into that room and take healing oil from heaven and pour over her body right now. I don't know what's going on, but God, you do. And I loose and declare these angels to go in there and to pour God's power over her, and I just prayed the blood of Jesus over her, I just like interceded for a couple minutes, and then all of a sudden I was like, huh, it's done, I loosed them, I believe, they've done it, 
put my car back in drive, and I kept on going. I didn't hear anything from that couple for a few days. Eventually, I heard, you know, she's going home. Everything's good. When I saw her about two weeks later, though, the story was quite incredible. <laughs> she was like, oh, my gosh, Mary. She goes, they had, I had come out. I'm in the, in the hospital room. My husband had just walked in, and all of a sudden, all those machines just started going nuts, and something with her heart rate and her breathing, and I, I don't remember all the medical details, but basically, they come rushing in there, and they kick her husband out, and he's standing out in the hallway, and they can hear, and, they, and she's like, they didn't think they were going to be back. And she said it was kind of surreal hearing it all and, and kind of like seeing it all, but you, even though she was kind of out of it. She said... But within a minute or two, all of a sudden, I started feeling warm all over my body. I just kept getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And, and all of a sudden, all the monitors stopped the alarms, and there was just the normal beep, beep, beep. And she said, I kind of opened my eyes. I looked around. I felt great. I felt fine. And, and all of these doctors and all these nurses that had rushed in there because it was code blue or whatever were just standing there looking at me going, we don't know what just happened, but you're okay. And she said they all slowly left, and they let her husband come back in. Interesting that just about the same time that I loosed a bunch of angels from heaven to come down into her room and pour the blood of Jesus and healing oil all over her, she felt warm all over her body and was fine. Now, you can all believe in coincidences. You can do that all your life. But the day you're in the hospital and you ask me to pray, I hope you're believing in more than coincidences. Because I believe in the power in what God said and that Jesus said you can loose and you can bind. So if I'm going to declare and deploy angels and loose them, because here's the thing, we've talked about this a million times. God is a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on us. He's got angels in there at the ready, but they're waiting for an assignment. Yes, they see things going on all the time, and you wish they would intercede. But I see, you know, maybe my neighbor's house needs, needs to be power washed. You think, what do you think they would think if one day I just woke up and I'm out there washing their walls? What do you think you're doing? Well, your house is really gross. Can I clean it? They wouldn't like that, would they? No, they would not. Now, if they knocked on my door and said, hey, Mary, you know what? I've been having issues. I need your help. And I went over and helped. They'd probably love it. So the angels are waiting to be asked. So what do you have spiritual authority over? Yes, tell the demons to go. Bind the demons. If you're not sure if the person really agrees or you have authority to tell them to go. So what I'll do is I'll bind them while they're in my presence. I'll bind them when they come into this place. I'll say, Father God, I draw a bloodline around this place. I put the cross between us and every person that walks, steps foot in this place. So if there is a demon that is tormenting a person, when they are under this roof that is bound in the name of Jesus, cannot talk, it cannot torment them. Now your, your habits and your regular thoughts that you've developed are still going to be there. But my prayer is that when you are underneath this roof, that those demons are bound. Now, there are times where I'll say, I'm going to pray that they leave you. Do you. If you want that, say amen when I'm done and be agreeing with me. Now, you just gave me permission. But my prayer is that those that are around me, that I don't have permission, that the demon is bound and has to keep its mouth shut. I always say bound and gagged. You know how when, like, sometimes they'll, like, watch those movies, right? And you, they find them up, and the person just 
talking too much, and I'll throw an old dirty sock in them. Oh, my socks stink really bad. The demons, I feel bad for them when I gag them because my socks are nasty. Actually, I should get my son's socks after he's played soccer. Those, those, I should say, I bind them and gag them with the socks of the soccer <laughs> teens that have been going, right? And we tell those demons to be quiet because those thoughts that we have in our head are not always ours. God will influence us to do good. Satan will influence us to do bad. And we will ourselves will overthink and calculate and cause a lot of times it's problems because of us. So we see here where Jesus had told them they have this authority to go and do these things. And I want to end it here. I know I'm getting kind of over. I had one more spot where he, Jesus actually told the weather, right? You guys remember that one where he's in the boat and the storm came up? I'll read it. You guys are okay. It'll be all right. If you have to go, you have to go. It's okay. Take me just a sec. I like this passage. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, it says, Then they had gotten into a boat, and his disciples were with him. Suddenly a ferocious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Now, why would you say that to somebody who didn't have the authority to do anything about it? Could you imagine if I came into this building and the electricity was out and I found out that nobody paid the electrical bill and I blamed somebody that has nothing to do with paying the bills? Could you, I mean, could you imagine that? If, if I called up one of the elders who has nothing to do with the bills, nothing to do with the checkbook, has no authority, and I said, you didn't pay this bill, how could you do that? That would be ridiculous. Instead, I would talk to the person whose job it is to pay the bills and be like, what happened? Why wasn't this paid? See, Jesus said to them, why do you have little faith? Why are you so afraid? Why? Because they have authority. We forget that the, the cause sometimes of the storms around us is spiritual, and that is such a hard concept for all of us, and I get it. But I pray about the weather. When I was up on that roof in November, people were saying, oh, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that it's going to be nice that you'll have an Indian summer. And I'll be like, well, your faith better be stronger than mine because I'm praying it's bad weather. That's why I picked November. I said, and Lord, please let it snow on the last day that I'm there. Because I don't want snow the entire time, but the last day I'm there, I want snow. And what did it do? I had bad weather the entire time, and the morning I woke up, I had snow. I was up there with snow for about two or three hours. I prayed specifically. I've gone on vacations before, and I'm like, Lord, if this, if this area needs rain, let it rain at night. But during the day, I'm only here for a few days. Let it be nice. And, man, we have the best weather. I remember hearing about a tornado or a big hurricane that was going to go and hit Texas, and they had just had a really bad one the year or so before. So some of the pastors all in Texas, they all like publicly started announcing, Christians, let's all pray that this storm goes. And that particular storm, I remember when it was all over the news, it did. It, it dissolved, and it, the storm stopped. I remember hearing about a pastor who said he did the studies, and he looked, and every Sunday morning when it rained, his attendance went way down. So he began to pray on Saturday nights, Lord, please let there be no rain tomorrow morning. And guess what? At that time when he had talked about it, it had been three years that he had not had rain one time on a Sunday morning. Jesus said to them, why are you upset? Why do you have such little faith? He got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. 
Why? Because God wants us to have peace. Do we need rain and storms? Absolutely. But if you're out in the middle of doing something and it's starting to cause your peace to leave and it's dangerous or it's causing problems with whatever, it's okay to say, in the name of Jesus, may this storm calm down. I'm out in the middle of a field or on a motorcycle with my kids. Whatever your situation may be, don't be afraid to use that spiritual authority even for natural things when needed. Now, again, we're not going to pray that every single day because there's a farmer that's praying for rain, right? It's kind of like dad, dad's got 10 kids and they all want to go to 10 different places. He's got to make a decision. But don't be afraid to ask, especially if you're feeling like the weather is dangerous or it's going to cause your peace to go. Don't be afraid to ask. That's the big thing. People always say, well, I don't know if I should or not. God knows whether you should or not, so just ask. He's not going to be mad that you asked him to help you out. So the last one here is 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. So the question today was, okay, we have spiritual warfare going on around us. We have the authority to use the name of Jesus for who and how. For ourselves, for our family, for what we have authority over. You know, if you've got a workplace, for the, you know, pray for the people under you. If you're in a position of authority of, of a specific thing, pray for those people. And for those that are affecting you, you know, you feel free to just bind that, why it's affecting you. And how do we do it? By using the name of Jesus. In John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, well, and I actually like it in context. I didn't give them this the verse, but bear with me. I'll start in chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I love this. He's talking about spiritual things. He is saying, right, there are some spirits that are God. What are, like the Holy Spirit, he gives us the spirit of wisdom, he gives us the spirit of love and peace. And this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God. And you and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. What is he saying? Yep, you live in a world where there are bad spirits. Use wisdom to know what is influencing me to be so angry right now. Is this a spirit of justice and I need to stand up for those that are you know, being abused or being lied to? Or is this a spirit of argumentativeness? and rage, and hate, and I, that's not a good way, right? I mean, that's a good example of, right? Or is this a spirit of lust, and I just, I just want my fleshly things to, to come into this relationship, or is this a spirit of love, and just genuine care, and genuine mutual affection? Sometimes those spirits can kind of see, and sometimes you cross over into one, into the other, until you're going right, to open your eyes, and you're like, okay, I'm going to, that, that didn't, that wasn't good, or, but, the bottom line is you don't need to be fearful that, oops, I was influenced this way or that way. Why? Because the spirit that's in you is greater. And so when you're in those situations, a lot of times if I don't know, you know what I pray? You know how I pray? I say, Lord, I pray about this situation. I lift this situation up to you. 
Anything that is from you, let it stay and let it be blessed and let it multiply. Anything that is not from you, I bind it and I cast it out of me in the name of Jesus. So if I'm in the middle of a situation and I don't know if I should just forgive and let go and walk away or if I should pursue righteousness or justice, I'll just ask God, let this fade from my mind. Let this not be something I think about anymore. But if it's you and you want me to pursue it, then don't let me let it go. If, if I'm praying for somebody in a relationship, I'll be like, Lord, if this is from you, you know. The spirit of you in them is greater. But all we need to do, the key for all of it is in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, bless us. In the name of Jesus, free us. So let's pray. Who do you have authority to pray for right now? Yourself. Your family. So if you would like me to pray for you and your family, feel free to stand up. And just anything that is not from God, we're going to just tell it to be bound. We're going to tell it to leave. We're going to tell it to go. And I really want you guys to catch how easy this is. All right. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for everyone here. We thank you for this lesson. We thank you that your word says that we have the authority to use the name of Jesus. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, my prayer is done, but my casting of the demons hasn't started yet. I'm not praying to God when I tell a demon to leave. I thank him. I acknowledge it. Now I'm going to tell the demons. In the name of Jesus, demons leave. In the name of Jesus, any demonic spirit that is affecting these people or their families or their households or their work environment, anything that is trying to steal their health, anything that is trying to steal their peace, anything that is trying to put condemnation and shame on them, you must leave in the name of Jesus. I bind you and I gag you and you will not influence them anymore. And we cast you out in the name of Jesus. You will not torment them or their children anymore. You must leave. In Jesus' name, we cast you out. Amen. So be it. So it's really that simple. When you go through this week, if you feel a struggle, don't forget about the authority that you have. Be blessed, everyone. God bless. The blessing shop is open downstairs. I'm sure, hopefully the rain hasn't made those bags too uh, crumbly. We can get those out by the side of the road. Have a great day.